guys, this is Keita Bussey, Grant Chancellor Madison, and Mike Seifert, joined today by Tim Heron and Steve Fisher. Today we are going to talk about the truth behind the glamorous life of being a traveling firearms instructor. Welcome to 180 Firearms Training Podcast. Steve, why don't you start by introducing yourself, tell us how long you've been doing this and what exactly you do. Mm, so Steve Fisher, um, current owner of Sentinel Concepts, uh, full-time firearms instructor, industry consultant. Uh, I've been doing this since about 2000, really, is when I started. Um, then full-time around uh, 2007. Travel about 200 plus days a year. Um, but again, like the mainstay of it is firearms training. And then the other back half of it is all consulting within the firearms, optics, manufacturing sides of the house in the industry. And a lot yeah. of travel. Yes. How about you, Tim? Um, yeah, Tim Heron with Tim Heron Shooting. I've uh, been teaching uh, part-time, like off and on part-time since 2015. Made a full-time jump into this in 2019. So this just finished my third full-time year as a, uh, as a full-time traveling instructor. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> lots, lots of travel. As, as Steve warned me years ago, this would be. <laughs> yeah, and I've been a full-time traveling firearms instructor since 2017 so I guess I'm kind of in between you two <clears throat> well y'all so, are still doing it so it can't be that bad you know <laughs> <laughs> glamorous life so one interesting thing that I mentioned to the guys before the show I fly everywhere Tim I know you fly as well you also drive I do. so flying I've never run into any issues personally and Steve you don't fly anywhere. You drive everywhere. Yeah, I still fly for some closed contract stuff when the client host flies me in because I the only thing I have to show up with is a personal kit and then guns and stuff are handed to me usually. Um, but they're generally really short, quick trips. I used to fly a lot. I flew heavily till about 2015. So what made what, you stop? Yeah, what turned you off to that? Oof. Um, when my schedule picked up, I'll tell you the main thing was I got jammed up with some canceled flights and weather. Um, and when you had to refund $25,000, mm -hmm, that that's literally a lot, right? So one, one, two canceled flights due to some weather shifts, mechanical issues at that time. Uh, and then you're stuck and then you've got students that are stuck and you've got students that have been paying for this for months taking time off work, setting up their travel schedule, their life schedule at home, everything else. And then you're like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm stuck in an airport right now and there's nothing I can do about it. And there's not one rental car left and I am done. And when you fork over that kind of change, you go, I will be there no matter what of my own accord. <laughs> and you also that, that provide firearms. You, you travel with a lot of firearms to provide for the students. Well, and, 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 and targets too, like steel yeah. for rifle stuff. A little hard to try, a little hard to put that stuff on a plane. Yeah, it, it's hard the logistics of it, depending on where you go. Because as you know, Tim and Keith, you guys like certain ranges will only have certain equipment, right? So it, it's it's one thing it's easy to show up and have, you know, a bunch of USPSA targets, you know, some paper, whatever, along those lines. But when you need steel, right, you need a lot of steel support and certain ranges and hosts don't have that. You're like, cool, you've got steel, but it's pistol rated. It's not rifle rated. We're doing a big carbine block for a week or whatever it may be. And then you're like, yeah, this isn't going to work out very well. How about you, Tim? How's it been yeah. for you traveling? So traveling, I mean, 
for the most part, I would say 85 to 90% of the time, it's not been so bad. In fact, uh, I would say traveling all of last year, like during, like I'll, I'll tell you right now, and I tell Steve all the time, I'm like, I miss COVID travel. I miss yes. it. Like I miss it. So like, I love being able to walk into almost an empty airport 10 minutes before a flight, get checked in, walk to the gate, get on the plane and be one of like 10 people on the flight. Um, I, I kind of despise it now <laughs> as we've gotten all the way back to kind of normal as, as far as like in air travel, you know, with like super congested airports and things like that. And there've been a lot of like <clears throat> logistical nightmares for airlines, which has mm-hmm. made it a bit tough for me this year. But I mean, for the most part too, I also, I, I'm never going to be that instructor that travels in by flight and wants to fly in like day of a class and then leave mm-hmm. day not, you know, night of that's day two. Mm-hmm. I always give myself ample travel time so that if I do get stuck at an airport or have a weather restriction or something like that, I can like on the, you know, kind of on the fly, um, <laughs> so to speak, I can, I can make other arrangements if I've needed to, um, but I mean, I also primarily being a pistol instructor, it's a little easier. Like Steve said, it's much easier for me to be able to fly because I, I'm relying on most ranges that I work with to basically, if you've got paper, like I can totally do without steel. You know, I've had to make concessions where maybe I don't even have like poppers or swingers or any sort of activators or things like that for a class. And that just happens to be a block that, well, you know what, we're just not going to put that in there because, you know, I, I, I can I can work around whatever restrictions. but I will say like I have been driving more and more um, primarily, especially if they're classes that are say 10 hours to eight hour drive time. Um, 10 hours is kind of my cut. If it's over a 10 hour drive, I'd rather just get on a plane and fly there. So, but the reason I do a lot of flights and Steve and I've had like super lengthy midnight discussions on this too, you know, and he laughs at me all the time, but the the simple fact of the matter is, and Kita, you know what it's like. I mean, you've got a daughter, a family at home. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, you know, like she's old enough, like to hang out, like on the weekends herself, she's almost 17, but still like being gone for like a week or two weeks at a time and doing kind of what Steve does, which eventually I probably will and kind of do the, the whole like grand tour of the United States kind of thing and be gone, you know, like basically, you know, Steve, I know you like pack up your truck for like, you know, three weeks to a month. And then you've got a, a certain agenda of places that you go, you know, and, and being able to do that maybe later down the road is, is something I would look more into. Um, as air travel kind of becomes a pain in the butt. But for the most part, like how everything works for me now, I like to be able to get there. I like to be able to, you know, settle in, teach, and then get back home and actually spend, you know, two or three days at home when I can, you know, so. Yeah, no, that's interesting. So so, uh, before you actually came on, we were talking about a little bit. I mean, I heard, I've heard that you've had like airlines lose your gun before and stuff like that. I was just kind of wondering like what the process is with that. Yeah. Um, like to get one of those back, like who, yeah. whose fault is that? Like, <laughs> I've, that I've, had, I've had guns. I know, I know Steve has probably had his guns lost. I know Kita, I believe you've had your guns lost yet. Haven't you? Or never, no? never. Wow. So I've had my guns lost three times and all three times, all three times were Delta airlines, which is why other industry, you know, professionals are like Delta airlines is the best. And I'm like, no, they're not. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, I, I primarily fly Southwest. <clears throat> a lot of people call like peasant air. But one thing about Southwest is they are the most like uh, 2A friendly as far as for yeah. travel and things like that. Um, they, they typically service just about every location that I go to, um, you know, with, with the exception of, you know, five or six. Um, 
their check-in process is easy and I have yet, and let me find the biggest piece of wood I possibly can to knock on, they have yet to ever lose my bags. Um, I've, I've had issues with, uh, with bags not making the same flights um, because airline logistics are different with like American Airlines or United, but Delta has like blatantly just lost my, my bags and my bags, of course, include like my range gear, first aid equipment, uh, targets, you know, targetry that I bring to classes, as well as, you know, my firearms. Um, and there's nothing like showing up in like Anchorage, Alaska, ready to teach a class and having to teach all of day one with your class with either somebody's borrowed gear or standing there like the idiot that I am with no gear and being the teacher and, and having to use you know, somebody else has gone out of their holster to do make demos because I'm waiting on Delta Airlines to send a, you know, just to send somebody by car to yeah. come bring my, my, my stuff to me. So yeah, it's that, that, those kind of things always make you nervous. Mm-hmm. And Steve laughs at me when I run into those kind of problems every once in a while, he's like, that's why I drive. I'm like, I know, but, <laughs> but it, yeah, like, um, Alaska would be a tough drive. Limit, you know, honestly, 10, those, 10 hour limit. Yeah, those issues though are, are honestly very few and far between. And like yeah. I said, I mean, I've got an airline that I stick with, and that's the, the number one thing I could give other instructors or other, other travel, like people that travel a lot, you know, frequently for like even matches and things is find an airline that you like and basically give them all of your, all of your certain, you know, like give them all of your, your time and, and effort. So um, get the credit card where you get the sky miles for right. sky miles free checked bags. Absolutely. Free lounge access. Great. But the other thing is too, is like, especially like me, like flying in and out of Albuquerque all the time. And I'm, I'm sure Kita's the same way flying out of, you fly out of probably MSP, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you get to a point where like, like Albuquerque's a smaller international airport, very small. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, I know all of the ticketing agents there. Mm-hmm. Are Being able to walk right up to the gate and have people like, just know me by name because I'm mm-hmm. there in and out twice a week, you know, like, if I've got issues, I have people, I know how to go to those people and get issues resolved or get questions answered. So, I mean, it, it goes a long way. So yeah, I mean, I, the Southwest people have been awesome. Um, they're also the probably the, the primary carrier out of the Southwest, you know, here for me in, in New Mexico. So that's, that's why I, I patronize them more than, than any other airline, but they're also the ones that to, to screw up the least amount. So I've also made friends with the guys from TSA who are in charge of firearms. That's a huge, that's a huge deal too, right? We've got a, a TSA agent out here. His name's Ernie. And anytime he, you know, like, he'll just get a call, you know, from Southwest, like <laughs> Tim Heron's got a black Pelican case, you know, and, and, and <clears throat> that guy might come out. Sometimes he's asked for a key. Most of the times he doesn't, he'll just go out and give me the thumbs up and be like, see ya, you know, like get to your gate. I mean, which is very cool, right? So, I mean, it, it it goes a long way to to put a smile on your face, even if you're having a bad morning or a bad day, and be nice. Like, honestly, most of those people don't want to jam you up in airports. They really don't. They'd rather get on with their life, too. So, you know, smile, be a good person. And, God, I mean, that, that kind of stuff it makes it easy. Yeah. The, the, the few times I've flown with guns that you like, and you, and you start to get frustrated. You always got to remember that you got guns on you and you're like, well, I don't want to be that crazy guy. That's trying to <laughs> act all mm-hmm. act all nuts, but yeah. Exactly. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I have a yeah, listener no, question for you too. They want to know the people want to know how did the two of you become friends? Oh, jeez. Oh, 
it's been a long time. I'm trying to think about how that really happened. <clears throat> hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I'm trying Tim's to think, like, Tim. How does that happen? Me. It was, like, was it was it just the way Tim shot his uh, single stack? You know, <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it was. No, you know, I, I think it started like most everything else. You know, probably some online interaction that that just kept going into something else at some point in time, and then some actual meetups. Tim probably knows better than I do because I, you know, I'm total blank on how that actually happened. It's been it's been a while. So we can, I can, I think we can agree. It probably all started honestly through Matt Landfair and the primary and secondary network. Yeah. Um, more than yeah. anything. So I, I'd kind of seen posts once in a while of this, this guy that kind of come off as a curmudgeon on the internet named Steve Fisher. And I was like, God, <laughs> who is this a-hole sometimes? Like, you know, but he, like, he always had really good points to things. And then when Matt Lanfair invited me, like to be kind of part of that, you know, that conglomerate of, of trainers and, and, and like I, he calls them SMEs, you know, subject matter experts, which I am not right. But I mean, he just, he wanted people that were kind of well within the industry and like knew how to stay in their lane, but knew how to actually have like big people conversations to, uh, you know, to be able to kind of meet and talk and do podcasts and things like that. And so I had had a little bit more interaction, you know, kind of like in some group chats and stuff back and forth with Steve. And there was just a lot of things that we saw like really eye to eye on. And a lot of things that, you know, like I was like, that's just not right. And Steve's like, oh my God, I know. I've been saying that. man, I love this guy. And then like we had an opportunity a few times to do some podcasts together and things. And then podcasts turned into like, yeah, meeting in person. And uh, like I said, I mean, Steve is without a doubt, like to me personally, like holds probably the most special place in my heart as a mentor and as a, and and seriously, as like the the big brother that I've never had because he's always the one that's always willing to offer me advice and, you know, kind of keep me on the straight and true. And, you know, like, Hey man, don't do this. Or, Hey, you might want to look at doing these kind of things or, Hey, don't make these mistakes. And it's, and and that's do that. Seriously. That means the world to me. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Same. Steve's been a very good friend, always saying, Hey, what do you need? What can I do for you? How do we Mm -hmm. get you from here to here? And it's always been there and always willing to do whatever it takes to help. Definitely inner circle. The best thing I've ever, like, about Steve, right? I mean, we talk Uh weekly, you know, and I would almost say daily, but because of busy schedules and things like that, like, we always, no matter what, though, he'll reach out to me at least once a week, or I'll call him or reach out to him. I'm worse about it than he is because he's on the road a lot more like driving than a truck and I'm, he'll just dial me up and be like, Hey, Mago, what are you doing? Which is awesome. But no matter what, like he always finds, and I don't know how you do it, but he remembers and he always finds a way it, on Sunday night after I've had, whether I've had a great class or a, a so-so class, or I've had travel issues, it doesn't matter Sunday night or Monday morning. He's calling me up and be like, Hey bro, how was class? How was it? You know, did this go well? Did that go well? How was the range? How was this? I mean, it's like, he doesn't have to have a vested interest in me. And the fact that he does like, dude, seriously, that that's the coolest, that's, that's the coolest thing in the world, you know, to be able to, to have somebody like truly care about like my success or like Keita's success or other people's success around him. And Mm -hmm. instead of it just being such a, like, unfortunately it kind of is kind of a cutthroat or like a dog eat dog you know, industry. And it doesn't have it to is. be. It's yeah. proven. It doesn't have to be, you know. Fact. That is true. So, so what advice, 
Steve what advice would what advice would the two of you have for all these people so we've kind of had a climate change and now all these people who can't work or maybe they were laid off or maybe they refused to get the vaccine and can no longer do their job and they're thinking oh now this is the chance for me to live my dream and be a traveling firearms instructor mm. what advice would you have for those people it's mm. all you buddy <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they ultimately, I think, have picked the wrong time for that. Uh, you know, we're in this huge ammo issue uh, with, while it's, it's, it's becoming more frequent, it, it, it's showing back up on shelves, the cost is going up dramatically, reloading components are tough, as we know. Um, while I, I would tell them, don't do it, but I would say, ultimately, if you want to, go ahead and chase it but be yourself, right? Be original about it. Um, find the people that are willing to come to you, right? For whatever reason, based on your experiences, your your knowledge base of whatever it is shooting, because we know that's hard, right? Because fundamentals are definitely hard. Um, and get an understanding of who, the, who that client is, what that area is, what you need to be working on, but what do you have to offer them? Like what separates you from the other 732,318 million people that are doing it? Is it that you're going to go out and teach NRA USCCA stuff? Are you going to go out and teach competitive shooting? Are you going to go out and teach ninja flips? I don't know anymore, right? Like everybody's got some deal. I think the biggest thing is to first identify it, get a, get a good lesson plan, get those lesson plans checked, gone over, um, make sure you're teaching within whatever scope it is that, that your realm, world, lane, justification of. Um, legal wise as well, right? That's one thing a lot of instructors will not do based on whatever it is they're teaching. You know, coming from my side of the house uh, versus like a competitive world, are you teaching, you know, hey, we're going to teach you this awesome defensive whatever garbage that's not really anything different than anybody else, everybody does. Um, but are you within the scope of that justification of teaching it to people? And has that curriculum been proof tested? Has it been gone over by your attorneys, uh, DAs, prosecutors, whoever, whatever that you can give that advice to? Have you been to, you know, uh, use of force classes? Have you been to, you know, legal updates? All these things, right, before you go into that world. Um, or are you just teaching good old simple, hey, man, I I'm a GM, G master class shooter, and I'm going to go out and teach these guys what I know to have worked for me and to see if it adapts to them. So there's variables to that equation. Then it's like, okay, now you've got to find a network of ranges. What is the social media footprint like? There's so many little things. You know, Are you doing it as an LLC? Do you have that business set up? Do you have this, this accounting set up? Do you have a separate tax license? All these little things matter, right? Um, it's hard for people. It, it can be, but then there's those ones. It's just that dude or person or dudette or whatever, who's the local great shooter at their local club that are always been, Hey, you know, can you help me with this? Or could you put on a class for this? Right. And that's, that's the way a lot of people start, right. That's how I started way, way back in like 99, even prior to that in the early nineties working for another company. So a lot of it is timing and resources, right? Like, what do you have the ability to do? What is your skill sets? What are you trying to teach people? Are you just looking for a way to supplement some income and have some fun and do something you like? Um, but I tell them, right, they need a plan. They, they just can't wing it. It'll fall apart fast. Yeah, well, okay. going off of that, I kind of wanted to hear some of your stories on like what, what your best classes were, what your worst classes were. Um, maybe, maybe some people could learn from that, like some things that Ooh. you did that didn't work or some things that you did that were <laughs> awesome when you're teaching or... So some of the most awesome, the most awesome ones ever have been the entire class that just happened on the fly, 
right? You go in with a lesson plan and you're like, yeah, this is all going to change like now. And it's like you create some new exercise or drill, which is nothing different than anything else you've already been doing, but you've added some different movements and different things in. You're like, man, this is great. And you're sitting there at the hotel at night going, man, I, I wish I could remember what I did because that one's pretty awesome. <laughs> that was great. Yes. And I should have took some notes. Oh and my God, it's happened to me now a lot. <laughs> yes. It's right, the right. worst. It's yes. the best so, and the worst. <laughs> yeah. You really have to be not- fluid as an instructor. Yes, right. Right. You do. You, you have to have like, like some of the worst stuff you run into, obviously, is weather, right? Everybody's like, oh, there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothing. Well, no, there is such thing as bad clothing for a lot of students who don't do this all the time, right? I live in this stuff like constantly. So I have the clothing. I tell people, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm sorry about your bad luck. Um, but a lot of it's like, it's either been really bad weather and a lot of instructors don't have a good weather plan, right? Like I've run into everything where I was teaching on a three or four day program where I started out with 60 degree weather. And then two days later, I wake up and there's four inches of snow on the ground. Like you're like, well, that just changed everything kind of drastically, didn't it? You, you know, so you're like, okay, so weather plan change, uh, severe weather, right? Um, lightning. I don't care about rain once the electricity starts getting in and getting close and I got to take people inside. I've got to have a good classroom area or something that I can do dry fire with them. So I have to have a dry fire plan. So great. Hey man, we're going to work a lot of manipulation drills. We're going to work some dry fire exercises. Maybe this is what your dry fire practice should look like. I don't know. Right. So adding those elements in, but some of the, some of the worst stuff is it's generally as a human, you have an off day. Right. You, you have an off day. You have those mm-hmm. days. And, you know, you know, for me, it, it could be rough because I've been on the road for 35, 40 days on a stretch and I'm beat up. I'm tired. I'm, I'm, you know, angry at the world for whatever reason. I don't know why am I still here doing this right now, but I'm doing it because <laughs> the students are there and that matters. But you can have an off day just like everybody else. And when that reflects back in the students, see it and observe it, you have to kind of get that pause, hard reset, lunch break. Mm-hmm. get yourself together and then you got to come back three times stronger right on the second half of the class and come in as a whole new person right so there's there's a lot of those little things but it could be I've had some of those classes where it's been weather right where it's just it's made everybody go oh and then you're like you know what you need to, you need to amp this up a little bit you need to get them moving more you need to make it a little bit more fun or a little bit more engaging and a little bit more joking to get their spirits up um, the, the ability to meter those good and bad days right on the range. And it, it does, it happens. It's either weather, it could be the student base, right? You've all, we've all had those students at some point in time, really, you are the most dead group of people I've ever seen in my life. There's no interaction. There's no engagement. They're just here to be here, or they've been told that they have to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but I think the worst really is weather, right? It, it, it's, it's the weather frequencies and the weather changes, um, those have been some of the worst, right? It could go, like I said, from 80, all of a sudden two thunderstorms and the targets are blowing over and you've got to do a hard pause in the class. You're looking for tires and blocks and whatever you can put on target stands. You're taping targets to the sticks plus staples and staple guns, putting trash bags over things. I mean, you've had those night, like that nightmare class, right? You go, oh, this is horrible. Mm -hmm. But I think the best the best classes really is when you see all the light bulbs, like it's just mm-hmm. a constant stream of light bulbs and you keep, you're like, well, you're like page seven, let's get rid of that and go right to page 14. Cause, cause they're in, they're kind of in that zone right now. So let's keep moving them up a little bit harder, a little faster, a little bit more aggressive. Um, yeah. So those, I, I think those are like the worst of it is just that, right. It's always been the weather conditions, I think, or you just have that day. But I, I think ultimately it's the weather or like Tim said, you know, when your gear gets lost, you know, 
I, I, I've experienced that once and I'm like, hey, bro, I'm going to need to borrow that. You got another rifle? Cool. Give me that thing. You know, so I'm just going to take your carbine and shoot it today. That's been cool. I've also been to ranges, though, too, where like the mm. range is like, oh, man, yes. you know, we've got everything you need. And then you get there and you yes. realize, like they're lucky if they've got dirt piled yes. up high enough to keep bullets like, you know, like oh. in the same like six foot high confines. Right. And you're like, Oh, darn. Yes. Like, what am I going to do now? And I've been to like world renowned ranges. Right. And we're talking like mm-hmm. state and county owned, yeah. like really kick ass, uh, you know, uh, facilities that when you get there and then they re- you realize they're like, oh, wait, no, you're an out of town instructor. All instructors have to bring all of their own equipment. And you're like, wait, but what? You know, and so yeah, Friday afternoon, I'm making a trip to Home Depot in the rental car, and I'm mm-hmm. doing, I'm putting things like T post and snow fence, and yeah. you know, like cold lumber section. You know, getting buying mm-hmm. you know target sticks and things that I need to make a to make a class that could have been or should have been an absolute nightmare. And honestly, I've had some of the most successful classes from where I've had to literally like think on the fly. And mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've come back from classes like that. And I've like, I've, I've had a conversation with Steve. So he's like, now you get it, right? This mm-hmm. is why you don't make an action plan <clears throat> always set in stone. You've got to remain fluid as possible because mm-hmm. you never know when that stuff's going to happen. And yeah, it happens quite often. Or I, I had know, that range. Expecting all of that, in, all that stuff to be there. Yet the person, the only person in the club that has the key to the Connex box to open up and access that equipment happens to be on vacation. And now you can't been there, done that multitudes of times. So yeah, it, it happened. I, <laughs> I, I had a range. I had a range that literally all the target stands were um, pallets. Mm. There were, there were pallets set up with some broken one by twos in it. So set them up, right. You're shooting like in the ground rounds are skipping into the next County kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I had one of those, um, that was quite an experience. And I had one, you know, you know, you give them a packing list, like, yeah, I'm going to need a couple, you know, VCAT type barricades or something or whatever it is. And you get there and you're like, hmm. So now you're building barricades out of target stands and mm-hmm. cardboard, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're raiding the classroom for the banquet tables, you know, the plastic flip up tables to use <laughs> visual barriers and stuff. And you're like, yeah, man, we're going to do it. We're going to have a great lesson with these chairs today. <laughs> yep. Yep. I've yeah. had to yeah. build walls, build target stands. I've had to even build. Mm-hmm basically a catwalk. So I was teaching in Florida, they got hit by a hurricane, there was about three feet of water on every bay. So I actually built a catwalk over the level of the water with my power tools in the morning before class, built this catwalk and that was the fault lines. (laughs) This is what we got to do. Otherwise, there was no way they can go and shoot in three, four feet of water. Yeah. Now I've seen that one. Yeah. It's usually something like that. Totally. It's like, I try to block those things out. Yeah. The range, right. Range equipment gear, the host feeds you the world and you get there and you go. And it doesn't matter how much preparation you give the range host. Mm -hmm. Like I've, I've written a, like a six to eight page, like class organizers guide. Right. And it, it literally answers like every frequently asked question that I ever have gotten or received from, and it's ever changing, right. It's ever evolving, mm-hmm. but it's like everything of like how to host, you know, the, the range requirements, what I'm looking for, minimal equipment needed, you know, like preferred equipment lists needed and all those things. And I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've encouraged people I'm like, please, please read this. It's not just for my health. I'm giving you this. And this is 
for you to be able to ensure the success of a class once I get there. And then you're like, oh yeah, I read it. I've got all that stuff. And then you get there and realize you don't have anything. Or they're like, well, there's only 10 students. So I only need 10 target stands, right? And I'm like, oh, wait, wait, no, what? So it, you know, and again, you you learn to improvise and adapt. So so what so what I got out of that then is basically that the range is asking you guys to come to their range and they're telling you that you have stuff. It's not like you are say, hey, I want to run a class out here, and then you contact a range and say, This is what I want to do. They're they're asking you to come out. Well, a lot of times, yeah. I mean, that's primarily how we as instructors kind of get invited to places is generally somebody has an interest, right? Whether it be a range, whether it be even just a, a, a particular individual. Um, sometimes it might be a USPSA club or an agency or a department or something like that that shows interest. And then they'll reach out and either email or text message or phone call or whatever um, to us and say, hey, we'd love to have you out for a class. Okay, great. You know, and I'm, I'm sure, and I, I can't speak for everybody here, but I'm hoping I can. When we say, okay, you know, first of all, where, you know, where are you located? What dates are you looking to put something together? What class are you interested in, right? If we offer a multitude of different classes, you know, are you interested in a one-day class or a two-day class? What are your range restrictions? You know, like, what am I looking at when I get there? And then do you have, you know, X amount of equipment? Like, can you, can you handle 12 people on the line or 20 people on the line or five people on the line? Like, what kind of restrictions do you have? What am I working with here? Um, a lot of times I do some background <clears throat> checks on things. So I always ask them, where's the location of the range? And I want a specific name of the range and address. And mm-hmm. so even while we might be text messaging or emailing back and forth, I'm Google mapping and Google searching, like, yeah. where is this place? Mm-hmm. What kind of, you know, what kind of facility is this? Are they going to have things that I know or don't know? Is it a club? Like if it's a USPSA club or something like that, is it a club that I've heard of before? Do I happen to know any members that I could reach out? And kind of do some background check on like, hey, man, how is this facility overall? How is the club director? How is how is this person as a host? Right. But then like kind of once you kind of quote unquote, like sign on the dotted line. Yep. I'm coming March 22nd. Right. To to come to your facility. Please ensure that we've got X amount of, of equipment. Right. And then we got to figure out like who's doing like on the hosting side, like Who's handling registration? Is it going to be the club? Is it going to be you as an individual? Do you want me to handle that stuff? Who's handling payments? Is this going to be cash only? Is this going to be, do you need somebody to handle credit cards or online payments? Or, I mean, there's a lot of things that a lot of people think is they they Mm. find extremely glamorous. Like, oh my God, Steve and Keita and Tim just get to travel the country and teach people how to shoot. And it's like, dude, the two days or four days or six days that I'm on the road teaching a class is like, it's the freaking vacation for the weeks and weeks and months of like admin work I've done here at the computer or answering phone calls or handling insurance requirements or policy stuff to ensure that a class is successful and kind of goes, you know, it kind of goes without a hitch that is all of the work. So it's interesting though, because then I'm not just home, I'm home working. (laughs) That's interesting though, because then if a club is promising you that they got all this steel and all this kind of stuff, and then they they don't have that when you arrive, that's kind of a bad look on you. It doesn't really, you know, like it's exactly it never is a reflection on the range, it's always a reflection of the instructor and the class curriculum. No, no, I make sure I make sure. Oh, no, I make sure of it because I tell them, like, I'm like, so look, we were going to do this and this, but the host told me we had this and this and I didn't even bring anything. So that's on them. Uh, I am going to give you the best class possible, but the host ultimately screwed us. So that's on them. So any of your complaints can go to them. 
So, because I have a chain of emails and text messages and everything else leading up to that. I mean, oh no, we've got steel, we've got this, we've got that. And then I go, remember this? Like, no. So like, don't be surprised if this gets on you. And if there's a bad AAR or something comes up about it online, I'm going to be like, here, talk to the host. Here's his contact info. Here's what they told me. Um, you know, ultimately like my side of the house on this, we have a network of instructors, right? There's, you know, this primary group of trainers, teachers, whatever you call them, that's within my circle. We're pretty much all friends, right? We all know each other. We all teach at predominantly the same ranges across the country Mm because we'll flip that information to each other. Like, Hey man, this Mm -hmm. is a great range. You should go there. Good student base, just like you guys do. But but we're able, but we're able to call on those dudes. Like, Hey man, so you were at, uh, you know, uh, Bill's range, you were at Mead Hall, right? So, Hey man, like, like, how was that facility? Like, dude, top-notch, first class, this, 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 all the way. The host goes out of his way for everything. He makes great beef brisket, um, yeah, yes. <laughs> you know, beef, beef short ribs, whatever it is. The dogs are great, you, you know, what have you. Um, but we have that ability, right? So it's always good for those instructors to reach out to other trainers, even if they don't know them or they just know them on the periphery. Most of them are willing to help and give that information, especially because mm-hmm. we know it goes into it. Like, hey, man, reach out to us. We can probably, if we haven't been there, we probably know somebody who has been there. Yep. Right. And, and that's, and that's a big one. Um, like, it, like for but, like in the, the instance of like Mead Hall, right. If it wasn't, I think for Chuck Pressburg basically mm-hmm. coming out there, like on a whim and was like, well, I guess I'm going to teach at this one Bay facility kind of deal. Yeah. And then Chuck got done with that. Like, dude, he was calling everybody. He was like, dude, yeah. you all got to get out here and train at this place. This facility is awesome. The range host is amazing. The place is mm-hmm. it, like, it's, and the next thing you know, like Steve had taught two or three classes there and Steve got, you know, like, introduced me to bill and i mean it just it's one of those things where like yeah you yeah. you do build a you know a relationship amongst other other mm-hmm. trainers to be like hey man yeah <laughs> like when you deal with this range deal with this person or when you deal with this range deal with this club or i know Keita and i've had those interactions as well you mm-hmm. know like hey you want to reach out to this person and have them host you here because they're great to work with they're great host you know or whatever the case yeah. may be double well, eagle you, for false. example yeah well do you how's mm-hmm. your turnout though if you're using the yeah. same range say you go to the back to the same range every single year do you get the same turnout every year or do you find that you get less people and you got to oh. feel like you travel around a little bit more to get more students or i think it's dependent on yeah. the particular location yeah, mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. usually That's- when you go to a place for a first time you don't expect that you're going to get the numbers because you're establishing yourself in that area Precisely. then when you go back the next time there's been the word of mouth and word spread about how awesome your class was and the next time you have a wait list yep. typically is how it happens and we don't to break into florida yeah we don't solicit it's just word of mouth do you guys have like ranges where you're like i don't care if you guys fill my calendar for the next 10 years i'm not going back there yes Oh, God, yeah. Yes. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I have a whiteboard list of NFE ranges. Never freaking ever again kind of thing. Yeah. Like, no. But no, just like there's another, not. right, right. But then just like you've got another board that's a list of no matter how long this continues, I want to visit this location every yes. single year. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I've gone to those kind of locations where I might have had three or four in a, you know, like, you're, you know, three or four classes oh, in a yeah. row, complete sellouts. And the range host is like, okay, we're going to get something on the schedule for the next year. And then you might only have seven or eight people. And I might break my own rule of like, man, I got to have say an eight or, you know, a, a seven or whatever. Um, and be like, dude, I don't care if there's only four people coming. I enjoy coming to the facility, yes. I enjoy coming to you. I yeah. enjoy being hosted by you. Even if it's for four people, I'm going to make it work. And so yeah. 
you know, and just like ranges, uh, certain ranges will bend over backwards for you. We as instructors mm-hmm. like, will bend over backwards for ranges that, that bend because over the next trip that could change, like the next trip that could absolutely change. Right. So you always want to keep in, in those good graces. Yep. You know, somebody, somebody brought it up and all the congestion there was like, you know, going to specific places. Like there, there are also those ranges or those hosts that will book too many people on top of each other. <laughs> like within 30, 45 days, right? There's five dudes in teaching within like 60 days. You're like, bro, you're giving us like two weeks between each other. Like you're eating up that student base, right? Like, yeah. um, you, it's, it's, it's just not going to fly, dude. And like, I've seen those ranges go out of business in, in, over the years. Cause like, again, you know, 20 some years of doing this, I've seen those ranges come and go in those range hosts. And when I start looking at that range host or that range before travel and committing to all that, I go, okay. So, you know, this month you have, uh, Pressburg, Flowers, uh, Tim Heron, Keita, freaking, you know, whoever, right? You've got six different instructors coming in over the next couple of months. Well, they want to make money to get their money back from what they put into the range. The problem is if we're not making money, they're not making money either, right? And, and that's always a big one. It's like certain states are like that. They are so flooded. Um, Florida, Florida, right? Florida is Florida is one of those states for years that was kind of eh, and then all of a sudden it exploded, right? Because everybody was doing the December... January, February classes from the Northwest and the West and Midwest. Cause hey, man, it's 75 degrees. Why are we not in Florida right now teaching, mm-hmm. making money? And then you can get to Florida and there are five different classes going on at the same time at different ranges, all within a four hour, five hour drive of each other. Yeah, and so dudes are like, man, why, why did I only have tough. eight guys? Yeah. It's tough for a new guy to come in. You know, if you've not really taught much yeah. in Florida, it's tough for the, like to be the new kid on the block to even get yeah. people interested because they're like, well, I've got this plethora of other instructors that I can train with every single week throughout mm-hmm. the year. Why would I, why yes. would I come to this guy? Another so. thing about that is you don't want to be in, you don't want to be stepping on toes of the people mm-hmm. who are basically coworkers of yours. You're all in the same industry. And so like, if, if I know Tim is going to be at a particular range and they try to book me for the next weekend, I'll say, no, I'm let's book it out a little Mm -hmm. further, make sure I'm not taking any students away from his class. And I'll do that for every instructor where I'm, I'm going to check first and see when the last time is they had someone or when someone is coming in next. So my class isn't Mm -hmm. taking anyone away from their class. Right. Because you found that too much of a good thing is actually just burning out the people financially and Mentally, financially, mentally, uh, ammo wise, right? Like they've only got X budget of ammo for the year to shoot. So they're going to have to pick between four classes, let's say that are going on at that point in time, right? So they're going, oh my God, well, I can take this class with Tim Heron. Oh, I can go take this class with Steve. Oh, I can go take this class with whomever, you know, that's that's doing this as well. And they're like, then they have to make a decision, right? Or maybe they Mm -hmm. have enough for two classes that year, but now they can't get that time frame off of work to take this week, this week, or this weekend, whatever the case is. So so that is hard. Me and Tim ran into that uh, this year with one of the hosts. And I said, you know, I've got X number of people. So-and-so's got X number. I said, I'm just going to bow out of that one because I will go do something else and I need a break anyways. So, you know, then you send out an email to the students, but hey, you know, when you're setting up this cancellation notice, but hey, so-and-so is going to be there, you know, two weeks later. So you might want to go take Tim's class or Chuck's class or Keith's class or mm-hmm. Dave's class or whoever's class is there at that point, you know, so you give them those options as well. So they understand it. And, and that's part of that cycle. Like we, we all share a very common student base in numbers mm-hmm. and extremely like, like years ago, we sat down and we did some math on this 
And I think it came out to like, we see the same group and there's about six or seven of us that got involved in this as the travel crew. And we we're like, we see about the same like 850 common students Mm-hmm. across the country throughout the year like we used to play a game back in like the the mid 2000 era i'll say 2009 10 era it was like you know where's waldo and like you'd look at the class pictures and you would see the same four or five dudes yeah. every class <laughs> like the same hat the same shirt like their range where you know you go oh so there's waldo, there's waldo. <laughs> you know and you would see this game being played all the time and in that like in that time frame there wasn't a lot of us doing it right like to the 2009 through about 16 era it was a very small core of dudes and people teaching this stuff so we were always laughing about like oh so and so so and so so and you'd be at the same six classes you know six seven different instructors ten different instructors that were out there then it was doing the big travel show so it was kind of funny to play but when we sat down one night and we were all talking about this like we figured it out and there was about like 800 ish 850 i think common students across the country that we would see repeatedly that were making the circuit now you don't see any of them like you see a few show up now and then, but ultimately it's a whole new group again. And mm-hmm. the whole process just keeps rolling into the same thing. And yeah. it's just generational. You know, it keeps coming and going and coming and going and coming and going. Yeah. On the travel side, it's, it's interesting to see that because I'll see people that have been in a class in New York and then I see them in Washington state. But like, well, I got buddies up here. So we all decided to come out and hang out and shoot. I'm like, I, I just saw you like a month ago, dude. Like, what, what are you doing? Oh, I just instead of come back, hang out with my buddies, you know, and shoot. It, it, it's kind of funny when you see that group. But yeah, it, it, it's definitely a weird thing. Um, I think the other big part of the travel stuff, too, is the amount of ranges we've been losing the past two years. Yeah. Losing host facilities and ranges has been a big one. I've, I've noticed that. We just, we just saw that recently with founders. Yeah. You mean losing them? Like they're just going out of business or? A lot of yeah. a lot of it's bad business decisions or bad business management, like from a range yes. management aspect. Um, other times, um, as ranges, right, don't necessarily get to follow like the grandfather clause that a lot of land, uh, like landowners and things like that, used mm-hmm. to be able to fall back on. We're like, well, this range has been here for fifty years, and now they're building housing developments on it. So yeah. noise regulations. Now it's like housing developments can come move in, and they've got more money to be able to sue or to be able to file restrictions against the yeah. range. And the next thing you know, now the range can only operate in certain hours. Well, then the range can't generate income. Mm-hmm. So the range has to go bankrupt, um, which is kind of what's happened with, with founders uh, out here in New Mexico. Yeah. And that's a range. I was so looking forward to so was Steve I. coming out in October because I literally live like 15, 20 minutes away from there. So I told Steve, I'm like, no matter what, you're staying at my place. Like we're like cigars, steaks, and bourbon, and the whole nine yards for like an entire week. And yeah, then we got the horrific news that you know Founders was uh, filed for bankruptcy. Had some new owners mm-hmm. or some new investors want to come in and purchase them. They started making range improvements, yet they hadn't even closed on the property yet. And then the sellers and the and the new buyers, I guess, had some disagreements yeah. about things. And in like hour eleven of like ready to close this deal fell apart. The, the whole deal fell apart. So now we're back to square one on a range that we just don't oh, know what the future of it's going to be. Oh, only in we, America, we, we've people seen move next to a range and complain about it. You know, like, oh, I'm going to buy a house right next oh. to a range and then shut the range down. It happens like, well, so, <laughs> We had that here uh, in Michigan a bunch of years back with one of the big USPSA clubs. They were shut down for three years, I think three to four years. Um, while this whole thing went on and luckily you know the 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 McMansion subdivisions got in further closer and closer on the property people were complaining about stuff 
Um, the club ended up getting shut down. They had to make some different improvements. Michigan, luckily, has a range protection act clause law uh, in the state that helped, but they were shut down for for I, I want to say it was like three years. I want to say it was like three years they were shut down, and that was like one of the biggest like gaming clubs in the state. They shut you know two gun, three gun, USPSA, IDPA, everything was at this club because it had like 16, 18 bays, yep. and it was awesome. And then all of a sudden, all these new baffle systems went up and all this other stuff that kind of impeded a lot of everything that they were doing. But luckily, you know, they came back. Um, but, but that is a real thing. You know, Texas saw this uh, last year and two year, years Texas. ago. Yeah. Texas lost a range. They lost another one two years prior that we used to hold like the big LaRue shoot at every year when LaRue had their event. You know, that range shut down. That was a huge facility. Um, and it was in the middle of nowhere, like it was no place, you know, and all of a sudden, poof, you know, this, this is gone. And we were seeing that um, still, and it's hard, right? It, it is, and you lose some good clubs and good host facilities. Um, you know, there's some other people in the industry that we know that have been having this recent fight as well. And it, it's ongoing, right? It's going to continue to be ongoing. So making sure the facility is still going to be there when you host that you know, <laughs> your class is always important. Because yep. we, we, we just saw that, you know, we're, we're booking classes for 2022. We're all looking forward to it. There's about four or five of us that we're going to be teaching there. And all of a sudden, poof, that's gone. So now this block opens up on our schedule, right? You're like, oh boy, now I got to start going back to the Rolodex again. Let's, let's call some mm -hmm. more people, you know, right. or, or, or put out a, a thing like, hey, we have these open dates. Right. Um, so that creates a more logistic nightmare and more homework. Mm -hmm. That's another another thing we were talking about how we instructors communicate with one another. Another mm -hmm. thing that I don't think people realize we do is if you get an email from someone interested in taking your class and it's, you feel like there would be a better fit for them with another instructor. Like for example, if someone comes to me and says they want a shotgun or a red dot class, I'm going to say, oh, well, here's Steve Fisher's info, hit him up. Or if they come to me and they just need fundamentals. Well, I do movement training, so those fundamentals have to be down before you come to me. So then I'll say, well, here's Tim Heron, hit him up. He's a really good instructor. Or if I have um, a female come in and say she's had bad experiences in the past with male instructors and she needs fundamentals training, I definitely will send her to Tim because he's just like a relatable, really nice guy. I'm going to make everybody in the class feel totally comfortable. Hear that, ladies? I work good with the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you guys yeah. do the same thing for me. Like someone wants mm -hmm. to move around better, well, hit up Kita. Yep, 100%. So, I mean, I, I even touch on that, like in my classes, like my day two, right? We get into some dynamics of movement and things like that. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of it. You know, again, I, I name drop. If, if there's something or a concept or technique I've learned from somebody, I immediately bring it to the forefront. Like, hey, mm -hmm. this is just a little taste of things that you could get, you know, and this is what I picked up from Kita. This is what I work on. And this is what I do. However, you know, if this is something that interests you more, because I only got this person for mm -hmm. X amount of time, like, go see go see her for, you know, that, that class, if you really want to like expound on, you know, the benefits of this type of, you know, this type of thing, like movement, you know, and solely movement-based type of things. And people are like, oh my God. I mean, it's like, it's weird that some people are almost like taken aback by the fact that instructors aren't out there to like chop each other's heads off. Right. It, it almost like some are. Loop more that some are. Yeah. Wait a minute. What? <laughs> some you know? are. You know, you're right. Some, some are. are. I think it's some have egos for, yes, I agree. This big over nothing. And, but you know, yeah, 
anyways, I hate those people. Well, Grant, in the class that Grant took my class in South Africa, and who mm. did I promote at that class? It was Tim. You told him he had to come here. Mm -hmm. And Steve. Yep. We talked and, about and bringing Steve. out Tim and Steve. Did we talk Car about JJ been trying too? to get me out? I, I would yeah, love I to come Jay. out to to South Africa. It's that's it's just been really tough logistically, uh, you know, to be able to do so. Uh, just well, now we're not allowed to. <laughs> yeah, just with the current. Yeah, well, hey, we 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 found the variants. Don't worry, we got it. <laughs> okay. I, ain't, I ain't afraid. I ain't scared. I just no. have to come there during hunting season. That's all. It's like Alaska. <laughs> like every time I want to go to Alaska, I'm like, is it hunting season? Like, I'm like, forget it. I'm not coming up there unless it's like in the fall and I can get a bear or moose tag or something else. And I'll, I'll shoot ducks. I don't care, but I have to get there during no. hunting season. Even, go, even going in like June or July though, man, when it's red season in the, like the upper Kenai and go fishing. Oh my yeah. God. But you that, can, that would work. You can literally cast out into the river and pull one out as fast as you can pull yeah. Pull your fly back. Heck yes. Like I'm, I'm in. Awesome. I love Alaska. Okay, well, well, I was born in guys, if you, if, if you come here, we'll find you something to shoot, hunt, we'll do something with. We'll, we'll figure it out, but just come here. That's the main thing. <laughs> I, I, awesome. I, I haven't, I haven't been there since 08 was the last time I was in South Africa. Yeah. For me, it was 2019. I've never been yet. Oh, Tim, you're missing out. Like the wine country, especially when you, you build in days you go down south. Do you go to Cape? Oh my God, man. The wine country tour is awesome too. Awesome. Now that's another interesting thing about being a traveling instructor. If you weren't a foodie before or will. an yes. alcoholic connoisseur, <laughs> now you are. <laughs> yes. Back. 100%. In the first year, you will put on like 30 pounds and then you'll be like, oh man, I got to start working out harder because then your schedule is so irregular. <laughs> And like, you need to go to AA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like trying to fit in working out with being at an airport all day and then being on the range all weekend from like sun up till sundown. Yeah. Like looking at your watch, did I get my 10,000 steps in? Oh, I cheated that by 25. And so it's all good. You know, well, that's funny you mentioned that. Like, so when I was working during the Magpul era, uh, one of my coworkers was not a he, he was absolutely, and I won't mention Costa. Um, and I will, because I will throw Chris under the bus wholesale. Chris was the worst at this. It was like, we had to eat at like Olive Garden. She claim braided jumpers. my hair. I know. Oh, dear Lord. She's cheesecake factory. You name it. Like he was not like, I was going, I was, I was setting up this court. We were doing this train to trainer course somewhere and it was in Miami. And luckily Chris wasn't coming on this trip. He was like throwing himself out of airplanes or doing something else silly. So I brought one of our other adjunct guys in, uh, ants and I'm like, Hey bro, look, there's, there's this, there's this Ecuadorian place down the road from the hotel. I already got this laid out. There's a cube. There's three Cuban restaurants here. There's this great Thai place. Like we labeled the whole place out via the restaurants that were around it. That's how we picked the hotel. Cause we were like every night we were eating some different ethnic food somewhere, you know, it was, it was it's great, but it, it's true. Like you will become a foodie on the road, unless you're just that person who's going to eat it. Like, Oh, well, there's an Applebee's next to the hotel. I'm going to go there. Stop it. Don't ever eat there. Don't do mm -hmm. it. Um, but but you will, you absolutely will. And you, and if you're not doing it, you're wrong. Like you're absolutely wrong. You have an opportunity to go and try all this different stuff. Like you need to do it. It's awesome. And you also become a better cook yeah. because you're exposed mm. to all these new things and you think, oh, I want to try making this at home. So I guarantee you yeah. just about every instructor out there who's a traveling instructor, we can all cook like nobody's business. Well, yeah. I can't cook near yeah. as good as... Steve, this, this bearded gentleman, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, that's, that's the whole, that was honestly, Kita, that was one of the main reasons too. I was like, oh yeah, you come out here to Founders Ranch and teach that class. Like, oh, you should do a carbine class. You should totally do a shotgun class and two pistol classes so that he's here longer. So I can take advantage. <laughs> so he of keeps making you stick. There's my kitchen. <laughs> Have at it, buddy. <laughs> he's an amazing you booze. You keep me fat. Oh. <laughs> We, we so you just you just wanted a, a chef with a side of shooting instruction. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's 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 pretty close at times. But there's times I'm like, yeah, man, that extra crunchy Jeff looks really good right now. And some of that some of that raspberry jam. Let's just get this on today. I'll make you some gourmet peanut butter and jelly. But no, it's uh, it, but it is interesting, right? Especially like the international travel. Like when I did some oh, international yeah. travel for for early years. Oh, Ooh, did you have God. kudu? Food. I, I had a lot of games. So when I was in when I was in Africa on some hunts, I mean, I've had kudu, I've had gims, I've had everything. You name it. Um, like Eland is my favorite. But has has Dolphong ruined beef jerky as much as it ruined it for Kita? Yes, probably. I, I've <laughs> got a box here that I make it. So in my <gasps> early life, I yeah. So early on, um, I had worked at a at a at a facility. I'm kind of working as a slash worker slash bodyguard slash whatever weird stuff back in my young days and the family was from south africa and oh they, they taught me about bill tong i was like whoa then i got one of these stupid big pots these potkeys or whatever they were called these big cast iron monster things that were awesome oh yeah like okay. build yeah that thing whatever it is <laughs> and then <laughs> i'm like again? it's a big cast iron thing to make stuff and it's great it's, a, it's called um, a poiki yeah yeah sounds yep. flipping lucky Oh, dude, it, it was amazing. But Biltong, yeah. So like, like I've got a box with a dryer in it and stuff. Because I mean, I, I shoot a ton of game. I'm like, I need something different than just jerky, right? So I was like, oh, Biltong, like, yeah. And don't buy the stuff you see online that comes in a block, like compressed sawdust. That's not Biltong. No, don't, don't do that. We are running out of time here. So are you Travel. guys living the dream? I, I would say to a degree, yes, right? If, if, if that means living out of your truck, living out of airports, living out of hotels, being away from your family, your friends, your dogs, whatever it is you have in your life. Um, and ultimately, if you don't have somebody in your life that's strong enough to understand that and you can manage and or balance that life, um, you will get absorbed in it. Like I got so absorbed in it uh, for years that I burned myself out completely and I spiraled in and I crashed and burned hard and I ruined everything in my life, literally, literally. Um, and, and that is a thing that is very real that people do not see. They do not get that back half of it. Um, but ultimately, you have to be stronger than the job and you have to learn how to balance and manage all that life. Um, or, or trust me, you will crash and burn and it happened. It it's did. not like being an employee where you go to work no. from nine to five. You never stop working. Never. Fact. <laughs> never. Fact. Never, never stop the admin. It sounds like. No, and, you? and honestly, that's the that's the work part of it. And when so like like I, I know Steve's the same way, right? So we're kind of like into our our off season, quote unquote. Um, <laughs> but for me, off season is all about curriculum development. It's all about changing up things. It's about like replacing weapons like maintenance. Blocks. Right. Yeah. Weapons maintenance. It's about like, a book. Your, own, your own skills maintenance. Yeah. Akita's writing like, you know, her umpteenth book now, you know, but it's, it's all of that stuff though, but it's, it's everything else that's involved with it as well. Right. Uh, personal development as well, like getting to the range and ensuring that you're working on yourself as a shooter so that you can still give a hundred percent of yourself to your, you know, to your students. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, am I, am I living the dream? Compared to 23, 24 years in the automotive industry, yes, I'm living the yes. dream. 
Is it much harder than I initially thought it would be to do this? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Would I trade it for anything? Nope. Because just like Steve said, man, those 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 light bulb moment classes or those light bulb moment students mm-hmm. that continue mm-hmm. to have light bulb moments even after your class, five months, six months, eight months, yeah. two years down the road, is the most rewarding thing in the world Absolutely. for somebody that, that truly wants to give themselves to other people, right? And mm-hmm. and 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 I tell people that all the time. I mean, I'm I've not yet won a national championship. You know, I've won lots of area titles, lots of state titles, lots of all kinds of stuff. I've been in the top 10 and top five at, at nationals before. But if I never won a national championship because I I want to give 100% of myself to my student base, that means more to me than mm-hmm. than any any title or trophy or thing like I can like hang on my dang wall. That, that, that stuff honestly is meaningless at the end of the day. Like what kind of, what kind of legacy or what kind of history are you leaving for other people to take, you know, to take it and move on to like, what is your name going to mean? And not for me, it's not like an ego thing, but like, what is my teachings or what is my name going to mean to somebody say 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the road? Like not, not that I care again for that, but it's like, what kind of legacy are you leaving? Right. It's, It's the same thing that we as parents do when we have kids. You know, we hope we're leaving the great legacy for our children. We're, we're, you know, as as educators, we're hoping we're leaving that same great legacy for our students and future students as well. So they're definitely servants of the people. You give your 100%. whole self. One hundred percent. And Steve's one hundred percent right. I mean, it's and and that's that's a lot of the like the warning calls that a lot of times that I'll get like from, from Steve too, is like, Hey man, don't burn yourself out. Like, you know, when we were talking about like classes and stuff for next year, he's like, how many you got on the books already? And I was like, Oh man, I've got X number of class on the books. And he's like, all right, slow your roll a little bit because you don't want to do what I did back six years ago. Yeah. And here's why. And it's, it's <clears throat> super enlightening to have somebody again, that's, that's not trying to hold you back for the things that I think some people would think like, well, that's, that's horse crap. You're just trying to hold me back. And it's like, no, he's trying to keep you from making the same dang mistakes that he made. Right. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's the same thing that we're trying to do as educators. Like, Hey, do this so that you don't make these mistakes that I made and had to learn from it, It's the same thing. So it's, it's been good to get that because, you know, like my daughter's not getting any younger. Right. You know, and she's, she's a 17, almost a 17 year old junior in high school. I've only get her here at the home, you know, a couple more years before she's off to college and, and things like that. And then, you know, as far as like relationship wise, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I do have somebody that's extremely supportive um, and pushes me to be the best trainer and educator and instructor I can be and the best em- employee of myself I can be. But at the same time, She's also pretty good at being able to kind of tug the reins a little bit and say, hey, you know, mm-hmm. don't stretch yourself too thin as well. And here's why. So, and that's important. I have a like lot of respect for Lorna. She's a very strong woman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Way stronger than me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Tim, tell us who your sponsors are. Oh, my goodness. Um, so, for next year, as well as all of this year, the last few years, as well as next year, I'm carrying all of my current sponsors in. So um, Nighthawk Custom, um, who builds probably some of the the finest 1911s in the world. Um, Federal Premium Ammunition uh, for for ammo. Hunter's HD Gold, Brian Conley uh, with Hunter's HD Gold Eyewear is like hands down one of my most favorite people too. Great, great human being. Uh, Targets USA and uh, Red Hill Tactical. So yeah. 
How about you, Steve? Oh, um, not as long as Tim's, I don't think. Uh, you know, Knight's Armament still for my carbines. I'm actually an employee of the company there. Um, Nighthawk, again, been with them for 11, 12 odd years at least now. A great company, awesome gun builders, just good human beings. Uh, who else? Uh, Agency Arms is another one. Uh, you know, there's there's just a whole myriad of little, you know, peripheral stuff that make it all worthwhile that go on and on. But, you know, the main ones, Agency Arms, Nighthawk, uh, Knight's Armament on that side of the house, uh, some of the ammo stuff from Spark Munitions, Targets Online, um, still wearing rubies because... You love Nancy from Tough Products. Nancy from Tough has been awesome. They 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 help out a lot. They they deal with a lot of my soft goods and products. Uh, again, stuff that I design and they sell and make. Um, just things that I go. I want this because this is what I've always wanted. And nobody makes it, so they make She's great awesome stuff too. as well. Nancy's great at tough. She does a bunch of patches, coins, stickers. If you need it, you know, she's got it all for you, especially in this industry. People love swag. Um, but yeah, you, you know, and um, TA Targets, um, you know, they've been great for my steel support. I've bought a lot of steel from them. They've given me a couple pieces of steel. Ultimately, I'm like, cool, this stuff works. I'm going to go buy another 15 pieces of whatever it is from them that I, that I ultimately need for courses. Uh, just great stuff, you know, just great people all the way around. Mm-hmm. Mike, who you got? I got DaVinci Machining. If you're in the market for a new PCC, uh, check out DaVinciMachining.com. Their DG9 is the most reliable PCC on the market. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for making the time. And Tim, for you (laughs) giving up a little bit of your daddy-daughter day. We we appreciate you coming on. Yeah, honestly, this this flew by. This was awesome. It was great talking to you guys. It was nice meeting you. Tim, I've seen you before, but Steve, it was nice meeting you. Hopefully when we get out to Area 5, I'll see you out there. Excellent. Yeah, really nice meeting you guys and chatting with you. Hopefully, we'll see you see you down here where you can shoot some animals and do some classes. That would yes. be awesome. Great. Thanks, guys. <laughs>